Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast for Friday, February 28th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined today in studio by my co-host, John DeShazer. And on today's uh, show, we have Nick Underhill, who has made a return to New Orleans. He has his own website, neworleans.football. You can follow that on Twitter at no.football. Nick, welcome back to New Orleans. First things first, what went into your decision to coming back to the NO? Uh, well, you know, I, I left. I had a great opportunity to cover the Patriots for the Athletic. And, you know, I think in our business, that's kind of a natural progression. You know, you, you work in the smaller market, you get a job in the bigger market, and you go and take it. And that's just kind of the ladder of success. So that the next rung presented itself to me, and, you know, I took it. And when I took that rung, I just... I don't know. I just wasn't as happy. I enjoyed living in New Orleans more. I enjoyed covering the Saints more. And the perception of success, I think, for me, uh, you know, this last year gave me some clarity on what that is and what it is for me. And it might be a little bit different than, you know, what I think everybody else would perceive success as. But, you know, that happiness is, is a big thing for me. And I just think being around uh, New Orleans and, and covering the team is, you know, what I want to try to do in this website. Uh, you know, it's dependent on people signing up to read it. You know, it costs a little bit of money. And, you know, if people want me to cover the team and they want me here and they sign up for it, you know, that's what I'll do. And if it's a sustainable thing, I'm going to ride it out as long as I can. And, you know, I'm hoping that's for a very, very long time. The uh, early reaction has been really good. And, you know, it, it's been, you know, kind of moving really just to see, people actually are receptive to, you know, this wild idea that I had and that they're coming out to support it. And, uh, you know, it, things are off to a good start and I'm, I'm just excited to get going and start covering the season and, and all that stuff. You know, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, I'm sure are going to be very touched by your return. Machete. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have to ask <laughs> As first. we all are. Uh, but, but listen, I mean, because this is a pretty daring move. I mean, you know, any hesitation on your part, because again, you know, a lot of people, will, you know, bank on some things, but they won't necessarily bank on themselves to this degree. Yeah, you know, um, I probably should have been more worried about it than I was. It was about, like, maybe, like, day seven or eight. And it's like, oh, my God, like, I'm running my own business. What am I doing? There's, there's a lot on the line here. Uh, but I don't know. I just kind of, like, you know, it just felt like something I needed to do. And I just kind of took the leap. And I don't know. Here we are. And it just, it, I don't know, John, I mean, in our business, like everything is risky, right? I mean, yeah, like yes what's going to last, uh, you know, you work for a newspaper and look, I think the, the advocate John George is there as stable as any newspaper outlet in the world. But if you work at any other newspaper that isn't family owned like that one, uh, you know, you're, you're on the line every day and, you know, other people are trying to figure out ways to, to make this thing last. And in a sense, I kind of feel like, you know, I'm, I'm taking matters into my own hands, trying to control my own fate. And, you know, if it works, it works. And I never have to worry again. But, uh, you know, I, I think everybody's on borrowed time and we're all just trying to kind of, you know, find a way to make it to 65 or, or whatever that retirement age is going to be. And, you know, maybe I found one, maybe I didn't. But, like, I'm, I want to try to find out while I can. It was pretty cool to see the feedback of how many people were excited to to have you come back. And obviously you said uh, your website is, is where people have to sign up. And so it's good that people have been receptive to that. But first things first, I need to ask JD, you know, before we started this interview, you called him what you said it with a little bit less flavor than I did. So go ahead and say the nickname. The, the, the machete. No, is that what you <laughs> no, you said a machete, machete, and I was like, yeah, okay. So, what went into that nickname that I'm just not going to say? Okay, well, see, Nick, if you follow if you follow Nick on Twitter, he is he's got this wry wry sense of humor, and 
So Nick's got this. I probably should have called him Ginzu instead, but then, you know, Machete just felt better that day. And so when people <laughs> will say some things and they'll be a little snarky, well, Nick will, he'll re- return fire with, with the snark. That's, you know what? I should have called him the shank because it's more like a shank. If you, you know, Nick just kind of sneaks up on him and, you know, they're bleeding before they know it. And so, you know, that's where I came up with Machete when him chopping people up on, on Twitter. You know, I enjoyed it so much because, you know, it's it's and a thing that I can't do. Uh, maybe I just don't do it as well as he does, but I don't know if I can do it to that degree now that I work for the team and you don't you don't want to embarrass the team. No, you just do it in person. You're the shank in person. Let's well, just let's better. just make things clear here. Just because other people do it on social media doesn't mean that you don't do it in person. Well, you, you are the shank in my side. I you know what? That's probably true. I you know, Nick's been around, he's heard me talk, so yeah, that's that got that very well could be true. But you know, on social media I hadn't seen anybody better than Nick at just really I don't want to say belittling people. I think he insults people and they don't really even know they've been insulted. <laughs> You know, and it's that subtle, and yet it's that, you know, it's that damaging for me. And so, you know, I get a lot of laughs. You know, two of my favorite followers are Rex Rex Chapman and and Nick because I like to see Nick just chop people up. And so when he chops people up, you know, every now and then I'll jump in there and just say the machete, you know, the machete. You know, just just and I don't even know what they got no idea what I'm talking about, but he knows. And so that I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I enjoy your uh, quote tweets of all the blocker charge because those make me laugh as well. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to, I guess, following Nick more closely now because when I came to the Saints, he was just he was here for one year, but I wasn't following them as closely. But uh, I'm excited to, to have Nick back on the sidelines for us for hopefully training camp and all the things to come with the Saints. But, J.D., you just came back from the Combine where you spoke to Jeff Ireland, Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton, and we'll hear from them later today in the podcast. But a question for both of of you guys and I know Nick you wrote about it earlier this week but free agency for the Saints who are the must I must haves in your uh, opinion yeah I think this is definitely an, an interesting offseason for them because they are pretty set at a lot of positions but there are a handful of uh, holes you know I, I think guard is is going to be a big one um, you know Andrews P is is their own free agent but I could see him maybe going out and, and looking for another deal you know he has the Pro Bowl attached to his name and I'm, I'm just not sure that you know the Saints are going to value him maybe the same way that you know somebody else does and if that other team appears you know I could see him on his way out so I, I will put guard high up on the list uh you know I think a second wide receiver is a another area of uh you know a much need you know you can throw Michael Thomas 200 passes and it's probably going to work out but that might not be the formula you want to enter the season with so if they could just take a little bit of pressure off of him I think that would open up the offense a little bit more and you know with Jared Cook after last season coming back this year you know I think he's kind of setting up to be a superstar in this offense the way he came along throughout the season was really encouraging and by the end like he was doing some really amazing things and then you know on defense I I think that they could probably add uh you know a linebacker AJ Klein's a free agent you gotta you know compensate for Alex Anzalone's injury situation uh maybe they'll go after someone like I don't know Jamie Collins uh he was in New England last year pretty good the first half of the year he's from that part of the country uh, rangy guy he just kind of fits the profile and then you know some depth in the secondary but I don't think you know they, they need to bring in big time difference makers I think it's you know adding and tweaking and bolstering what they already have 
Yeah, ditto. I agree. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I think you know you you obviously have to look at receiver. I mean, this is a receiver rich draft, so you know if they want help there, they can get it early. Uh, Nick mentioned guard. Uh, they got Nick Easton last year. They wanted him, you know, they brought him into play center, and then they were able to, to draft Eric McCoy. And so Nick Easton ends up playing a lot of left guard when Andrews Pete gets injured. And you have to remember also that Cameron Tom and Will Clapp were around, but they did. You know, I think specifically say yesterday that one of the lines they felt like had depth in this draft is offensive line. So that would not surprise me if they went after an offensive lineman. I think maybe a, a – I think they might have to get a tight end at some point because I don't know how much they want to have Taysom Hill running around at tight end this year, especially if he's going to be your de facto number two quarterback behind Breeze. Although on the depth chart, he still might look like the number three quarterback because that allows you to let him – do that running around, and if you can sign a veteran to back up Breeze and you kind of have a guy who can finish out a game in an emergency situation. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I think they have to have a linebacker. Um, I love Alex Anzalone, but he's been injured two of mm -hmm. his first three years. So you've got to be able to have some kind of stability there along with Demario Davis. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't – obviously, you know, cornerback's always a position that they're going to be looking at because, you know, you can't have too many good ones back there and uh, certainly, depending on what happens with Eli Apple, they will need some need some some help there. So, you know, there there are some positions where, again, there's not a, a siren blaring, but they could use some some help and some upgrades. At the linebacker position, did you like Kiko Alonso and what he did enough this year to want him back for next year, or are you trying to play the market a little well, bit more? He's got a bit of an injury history too, mm -hmm. and then you can you know again you can go out and get a younger guy, or you know Nick mentioned. You know, Jamie Collins from New England or, you know, you can you can go out and find some guys probably who won't have that injury history. And, and you put some guys out there, you know, hopefully that can match some of the things that you've seen out of A.J. Klein. A.J. Klein had some some really good, good moments for the Saints, but he is an unrestricted free agent. So, you know, how do you upgrade that position or how do you you retain him? That's that's a question that's got to be answered. And you don't necessarily know. The, the total interest of the team in him, he might be a guy who goes out to the free agent market, they see what he can get, and then they'll decide whether or not to match it, or they might just cut you know cut ties completely and go in a different direction. But there are some linebackers in this draft too. So, you know, Saints only have five picks, but they've been able in later rounds to be able to find a C.J. Gardner-Johnson mm -hmm. or you know a Will Clapp or a Trey Hendrickson. You know, they've been able to find some guys later that can contribute. And I think they're counting, They're obviously counting on being able to do that again this year. Now, Nick, I do want to talk about this because, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I was listening to a podcast you did uh, about a week ago when I was driving back after the All-Star break, and I heard you talk about the backup quarterback situation for the Saints, and I think I remember you saying Andy Dalton would be a good pick here. Tell me a little bit more why you thought that. Yeah, I just kind of was, was throwing out some names. You know, I was just thinking stylistically, maybe some people that are more similar to Breeze, him, Chase Daniels out there is, is a free agent potentially. You know, I just think uh, if you get somebody to back up Breeze, it, it frees Taysom up, obviously. And I think stylistically, uh, you know, if he goes down and misses some time, it allows you to kind of continue running the same exact offense that you're running. Whereas, you know, last year, Drew goes down. If they had to go to Taysom, I think you're trying to revamp a lot of your offense on the fly to accentuate the things Taysom does well. Whereas with Teddy, you can just kind of slide him in and it's business as usual. And, you know, the playbook all looks the same. And, you know, it, it, until they're ready to go all the way to, to Taysom at quarterback, if that is something they're, you know, actually going to do at some point, 
you know, you got to have you got to have somebody that's a little bit more in the mold of, of Drew. I don't think that you can really use Taysom as a straight up backup. It's just you know he's not the timing route. He's not going to stand in the pocket and you know make full field reads and all that stuff. So you know someone like Dalton Chase Daniel, I think is you know. I don't know. If I had the bat right now, I, I think Daniel's probably someone they, they'd probably look at pretty closely to try to bring back. But, you know, Andy Dalton would be a high-level guy, and then maybe you get him in there and you get a chance to evaluate him and you find a way to get more out of him than Cincinnati did and Drew retires. And, you know, maybe Taysom is the guy you want to go with, but maybe you want to test that hypothesis a little bit before you go all the way in on it. So, uh, you know, I, I think they should – definitely be out there looking at somebody and I, I do kind of think that backup quarterback is you know another spot I should have mentioned is a, is a must in the uh, last answer now I gotta ask you this Nick I don't even know if I asked this the first time but this concept of breaking down like every catch of Michael Thomas's season or every <laughs> throw of Drew Brees's season where did that come from and, and how time consuming is that because you know I can't imagine you know I, I, I don't want to say I can't imagine wanting to do that, but I can't imagine actually sitting down and doing that. You can't imagine working that hard is what you're saying. Well, that too. <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, that's the American dream, right? Work work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Get paid for less. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess at some point in my, my, my life I realized that I can't control how talented I am at anything. You know, there, there's going to be a certain cap on that, and you can work at it as hard as you want. You will get, you know, better over time, but – uh, I can't control, you know, how much I work. And if I just get this idea and I'm wondering, hey, like, I wonder how much separation Mike Thomas gets on every single route, like, I will sit there and create a small little scale and measure on every single play and just do it over and over and over and do all this tedious stuff. And, I mean, that's just kind of become my way to succeed in, in the things I do is just being willing to sit there and just do this monotonous thing over and over and over and, yeah, I mean, I'll sit here and be, like, ready to pull my hair out. I'll be screaming at myself, calling myself an idiot. But, like, by the time I'm done, like, I, it feels very rewarding to, uh, you know, get to the end of this thing and, and put it out there. And, you know, that's another thing, too. Like, people in New Orleans, like, they, they really digest everything about the Saints. They love everything about the Saints. Everything matters. They appreciate the work you put in. And, you know, somebody just, like, telling you thank you for working hard, like, that's that's nice. That's all you need. And, mm -hmm. you know, just that, that love they give. You know, and I think we probably all feel it, you know, talking about this team, being around the team, like the love they have for the team and the people around the team, like you feed off that and it gives you the energy to do these things. And, you know, that, that was something I, I did miss too uh, as well. And that, that was a major factor in coming back was just the fan base and how passionate they are about the team. Yeah. How many stories did you spit out this first week? Because it felt like – It felt like, like 12. It fe no, it felt like 90, 96. How many did you spit out this first week? And including podcasts. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I had a couple, you know, up my wristband, and I was, you know, running down the band, calling plays a little bit uh, while I was working <laughs> on all this stuff. So <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like all around the clock. I was sitting on a couple things, and but, I mean, like all season two, I was, you know, watching every game still, and you know, I was kind of like making a list of like saying like, oh, if I covered this team, I would want to do this. So like, you know, I had a chance to catch up on a few of those things, and uh, you know, but I do plan to work. All right, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take it easy or anything. You know, people are paying to read my stuff. I'm taking that as an honor, and I'm gonna try to earn, you know, their money every single day and make sure it's worth their while. And I don't ever want someone to feel like I'm taking advantage of them. So, you know, it's a little bit more of a responsibility now than I had before. But 
I want it, and I'm excited to have it. Sounds like you're going to be the anti-Caroline Gonzalez, but what? go ahead, Caroline. Okay, cool. <laughs> just just a little jab in my side. Well, That's she, all that was. She just a started, shank. Nick. You heard her start it, right? Just so, a you know. shank in my side. You know, J.D. and I haven't seen each other in a week, and this is our first interaction, and he just stabs me straight to the kidneys. Uh, Nick, before we let you go, obviously covering the, the Patriots was a full-time job. You had to pay attention to them, but you just said, you know, when you were watching games, you did write down a few story ideas and things like that. Like that so did you kind of find yourself paying like equal attention to the Patriots and Saints whenever you you left to go to New England I'll be honest like it really started bothering me when when uh Breeze got hurt like Antonio Brown had just played for the Patriots he had an amazing game uh you know and there's there a lot of excitement behind that him on the field excitement off the field you know whatever uh but yeah and then you know I'm sitting there writing the story and like I look up and like Breeze got hurt and I was just like like, oh, like this, I should be covering this. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, it. like I tried to, to get away from it, but, like, it just kept calling me back. And at a certain point, it was just like, you know what, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm not going to fight it. Like I'm just going to do what makes me happy, and I don't care. And if people think I'm insane for, you know, quitting this job or, you know, whatever it is, like that's fine, but this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, now I'm doing it, and I don't care. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Be happy. Yeah, as long yeah. as you're happy, that's all that matters. Nick, tell us, uh, I, I know I said it a little bit at the beginning, but tell people how they can find all of your content. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, Nick underscore Underhill, and the website is neworleans.football. Uh, if you get confused, you can type neworleansfootball.com because it's a little bit different. Either way, I'll get you there. And, uh, you know, if you want to read it and support, uh, it's definitely appreciated. All right, Nick, well, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Nick for joining us on the show today. As I mentioned earlier, our own John DeShazer was at the 2020 NFL Combine, and he had the opportunity to speak with General Manager Mickey Loomis, Assistant General Manager Jeff Ireland, and Head Coach Sean Payton. We pulled the best sound bites from those uh, interviews, and here they are. Yeah, I know you guys remain flexible, but when you when you come here, do you say, okay, I have an idea of these six guys who are Saints, quote-unquote, players? Gosh, I hope it's more than six. Um, yeah, we do. We have a really good feel for who we want right now, and then we try to expand that with some more information, like some interview information. Uh, we're very aggressive at the Senior Bowl, trying to trying to you know be able to draft after our meetings in February. Uh, although that's not when the draft is, but we're very aggressive at the Senior Bowl. So we we come out of meetings knowing exactly who we want, and then obviously with some of the juniors that uh, that come out. We have some more work to do when we're here. Other than receiver, what are the other positions that look like strength here? Yeah, look, I think I think we're impressed with uh, uh, the offensive line group. You know, there's some, there's listen, there's, there's players every year at every position. Uh, um, I think you know when you look at it, it's like okay, how deep does it go? Or you know, are you getting into the middle rounds where you can feel really good about uh, getting a guy that can. Um, be a significant contributor, you know, not just early, but but down the road, and and uh, you know, I kind of feel like my sense of it is so far, is that uh, yeah, that it, it's pretty deep. So yeah. have there been any talks with Breeze and his agent beyond, um, hey, I'm coming back? Um, no, nothing, nothing uh, substantive. No. Is he the first guy that has to like? Is he the? Is it a domino effect? Does he have to get done first? Does it matter? I mean, um. I guess he had the most significant portion yeah. of it. Um, yeah, look, we, you know, we, we, 
we certainly want to have that done before the league year begins. Yes. So whether that's first or not, it doesn't. I don't think that matters. Just you know, but we definitely have a goal of having that done before the league year begins. Which positions seem to be the strength of this draft for you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, look, after doing the front board meeting, uh, certainly it's a, a deep draft at receiver. Um, we think a defensive back as well uh, and defensive line. And anytime I, I say that, that there's certainly uh, a, a lot of talent at the other positions. But if, if you said what stood out, uh, you know, in our meetings here last month, it, w- it would have been those positions. I know you guys have your must and needs and wants list. Yeah. Um, with, and, and without trying to tell who the musts are or what the must is, are <coughs> those categories fillable through the draft? Yeah. And look, some of them, you know, let's say you have a player, um, Drew Brees, and you don't know if he's returning or not. You know, whenever you enter the end of a season, if a player is a free agent, even though he was on your team, you remove him off your depth chart so you can examine where your depth chart is with the current players that are on your roster signed. So when you take David Onyemata off, and then when you take a Drew Brees off and a Teddy Bridgewater off, and you take, so sometimes your musts are players like Drew Brees or David Onyemata or the equivalent. And, And so you have to do that exercise with your own roster removed that are free agents. And so that can be a little daunting at first, and but it really narrows your focus as to the, the places you need to, to, to fill. And, and so where do you do that? You do that either signing your own players, signing other free agents, mm-hmm. and then, of course, through the draft. When you have as many free agents, restricted and unrestricted, as you do, how do you kind of figure out or parse through, okay, this is a guy we, we want to get back, this is a guy? Yeah, that's a difficult question. I, I think what, there, there's two elements to it. Obviously, uh, you'd love to have all of these guys back, and then it would cost. Uh, because sometimes a player may have to go to the, we don't say the market, but to go into free agency and actually see what the other 31 teams uh, or how the other 31 teams value him to get a price. There's certain players that the player himself and the club uh, themselves may not fully understand what the number is going to be. And so the market, which would be the other clubs bidding on a player, can quickly settle or create a price, um, but it's 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 not an exact science, uh, and it's it's something you spend a lot of time on. Going into the draft, I think you guys have five picks. Uh, do you see five Saints players? Oh, uh, listen, I, I think that <clears throat> we'd like to think so. I, and there's nothing to say that five can't be six mm-hmm. uh, as you get closer relative to where you're picking and whether you want to make any trades. But you know, last year I was real pleased with, and we were all real pleased with what we're able to do with some of the ammo we had a year ago and 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 really bring in a number of players that helped us. You know, a couple undrafted players. Obviously Deontay is a returner. Uh, and and then Shy Tuttle, who who played a lot for us on the defensive line. Um, Eric and Chauncey. I mean those we we felt like we had a real good draft without maybe the full allotment of picks. This year I think we'll have plenty of those opportunities again.
If you want to watch those interviews, those are available right now on NewOrleansSaints.com. So if you want more of those interviews, you can go to either the Saints app or NewOrleansSaints.com. Today's episode was brought to you by SeatGeek. If you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing, but with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS at checkout. SeatGeeks were the best deals on tickets. All right, that'll do it for the Friday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. We'll see you next week.